And uh, thank you all for coming. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand up and have an opening prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness, your faithfulness, Lord, your goodness in our life. And, and Lord, I pray that as we're gathered this morning to worship you, to remember what you've done, that you would fill our hearts with joy, God, and that we would be uh, drawn to you, Lord. Pray that Jesus would be glorified in our midst, and God, that, um, that you would just have free reign in our hearts, Lord Jesus. We commit this service to you, God. You are um, so holy, so righteous, and pure, Lord, and so worthy of all our praise, Lord Jesus. And God, I just pray for each one here this morning, Lord, that you would pour a special blessing and encourage our hearts, Lord, be with those who aren't here or perhaps still on their way, God. Be with them, bless them, God. And I just pray that uh, your will would be done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning I was reading in Isaiah, chapter 29, verse 13, and it says, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. All you who hide deep from the Lord, your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us, who knows us, you turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, that thing, that the thing made, hold on, and that the thing made should, should say of its maker, he did not make me, or the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. I was just thinking in this, are we here this morning? desiring to sing because of our law or because we're here truly in heart, desiring to be what God has created us to be. And um, I think so often we do things out of habit. We're, we're habitual creatures, if you will. God created us that way in many ways. But let's come before the Lord in rejoicing and singing this morning and praise, testimony, all of those things because of what God has done. If you look throughout your week, look back. There's always things there, if we look at it, of what God has done and shown himself faithful. There's the things that have been hard, but the trying of our faith worketh patience. It is there to grow us into Christ deeper and deeper because of the things that have happened in our week that are trying. That's why God allows it. If we just had this easy life of everything going perfect, we wouldn't grow in him. So this morning, as we sing and praise him, think about those things throughout your week, life, month, whatever it may be, but let's sing him from our hearts.
Steve this morning. He's, I'll have you all just join in and pray together. Um, he's uh, ministering at a nursing home this morning. So could we pray for him, Lord Jesus? We lift up our brother Steve. Lord, thank you for the blessing that he is and how your love is so evident in his life, Lord Jesus. Um, it's a testimony of, of what you can do. And Lord, I pray that you would bless him as he ministers to uh, those in the nursing home facility, Lord. God, that your Holy Spirit would just flow through him, and God, that hearts would be touched and renewed with your love, Lord. We thank you for him, that you bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Anthony. Let's sing Good, Good Father.
with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made his way known, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those that fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, O ye hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen. God cares for every little detail of our life. Man is but dust, and yet he cares. Such a, an awesome God. Justice 
its boundless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. I'm so glad that he is unchangeable um, in all of our changes in life and different seasons and ages and he remains constant, the same. He's the same God of Abraham, of Joseph, of um, all of the prophets, and he will be faithful to our children, too, mm-hmm. which some nights I can lay awake and think, what crazy world we live in. You know, how is this going to be for our children? And God is so faithful to remind me that I was there when I created I mean, the world. I was there when I, I created your child. I, I am still faithful, unchangeable, and I will be strong for your children, the same as I have always been um, if they put their trust in him. So I think it takes away fear, and it just gives us such courage and hope in these days. The craziness of, of life um, we can remember that our God is the same, and he is a good father. He cares so much for us. Um, we don't have to fear anything, and we can be at peace and find joy. Why? Because we see our circumstances around us. No, but because we are looking forward to heaven. Like, we have eternity um, to look forward to, and so we need to make these days count um, because we have such a short time here, but... Yeah, I'm so glad he is unchangeable. Technical problems. In a moment, everyone falls silent to hear the mighty trumpet slip the eastern sky. Just imagine. 
the King of all creation, riding through the heavens, returning for His bride. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hear the sound of heaven ring. Hallelujah, hallelujah, all the earth will bow and sing. All the broken, they're no longer broken, as they dance before Him, a radiant debut. And the lion, Walks beside the Lamb, and all is well again. He's making all things new. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hear the sound of heaven ring. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
Amen. Let's stand up and if you're able to and sing one more song. Don't let me miss the glory. In the view from the mountains, there's a story to be told. In the crashing of the ocean, there's a power that no man will ever The stars in the heavens decorate your handiwork, and like a mighty choir, they've come to celebrate your word. Don't let me miss the glory, don't let me miss the grace. All creation is
lightning and the thunder, Lord, open up my eyes, don't let me miss the glory. seated and I'll turn the time over. Okay, the children come forward. Well, it's good to have the children's back. It was a little sparse up here last Sunday. And Sherry's back to her post. You're not behind it. Oh, that's good. <laughs> okay, I'll stop picking on the post. I get everybody behind the post. You're going to need more posts. All right. Huh? The post has feelings? So if you'd hit the post, who do you think would have more feeling? Do you think the post would feel it more if you hit it, or you would? <laughs> All right. What do you guys want to sing? God's not, dead. God's not dead? I always like that song. It's your favorite song, ain't it? It's not? I think that's the one you usually pick. God's not dead, G. God's not dead, no. He is alive, God's not dead, no. He is alive, God's not dead, no. He is alive, I feel him in my hand, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, thump, thump. feel him in my soul, Woo! feel him all over me. He's not dead, no. He is alive, God's not dead, no. He is alive, God's not dead, no. He is alive, I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul, Woo! feel him all over me. You going to stay with the post? Okay. Huh? It's a double God's not dead. Okay, so say what now? Instead of when you clap. So you know how in the normal God's not dead, you go. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, you clap four times. Okay, so and stomp four times and heart thump four times. Oh, two of those. You think we can get the adults to help a little bit with that? You think they're excited that God's not dead this morning? I guess we're going to find out. You know, the other Sunday, I thought they did pretty good at, like, um, at uh, outdoing you guys on the where. I don't know. You guys were kind of almost in the minority at that point. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Which one are you thinking? Okay, Willow. <laughs> All right. Let's try it. I've never done this four-timing thing. All right. Crit. 
He's got a baby. I don't like the baby. I seen a clown yesterday that did pretty good. A clown. What a pretty good clown. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul. If nothing else, I like the double. That was kind of fun. You like that, Tiff? Okay. Boy, I got a rowdy bunch of kids up here today. All right. What's another song? Wrapped Up, Tied Up. You actually still like that song? You haven't gotten tired of it yet? Okay, hold on. All right, so hold on to the new song. So I should put it that we can do either like one new old song every Sunday and then you guys have to try out some of the other ones. So, all right. Wrapped up, tied up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus I'm inside, outside, side to side Inside, outside, side to side Inside, outside, side to side in God I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right. Upright, downright, living right. Upright, downright, living right in God. Okay, I'm going to slow it down so you can do it with us. Hold up. Why can't I think of your name right now? All right, we're going to slow it down. We're going to slow it way down. You can keep up. Woo! Oh, you got this. All right. Okay, maybe. (laughs) With so many siblings, how could she possibly do something by herself? Um, All right. I'm wrapped up, tied up. Tangled up in Jesus, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side, Upright, downright, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. Upright, downright, 
living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up tight, I'll turn it up. Inside, outside, side, side. Upright, down, right, living right in God. Woo! You guys got skills. All right. Okay, what's the new song? Oh, I know that one. You do? Yep. But I don't know if I know all the motions to it. Only a boy named David. What key would we do? Only a boy named... Huh? D? Mm. Only a boy named David. Only a rippling ring. Only a boy named David. But he could pray and sing. Only a boy named David. Only a rippling brook. Only a boy named David. At five little stones he took. One little stone went in the sling, and the sling went round and round. And one little stone went in the sling, and the sling went round and round. And round and round, round and round, round and round and round. And one little stone went up in the air, and came tumbling down. <laughs> uh, there's another verse to that, right? Um, there is another verse to it, right? What? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it one more time. Only a boy named David, only a little sling. Only a boy named David, but he could pray and sing. Only a boy named David, only a rippling brook. Only a boy named David, at five little stones he took. And one little stone went in the sling, and the sling went round and round. And one little stone went in the sling, and the sling went round and round. And round and round and round and round and round and round and round. And one little stone went up in the air, and the giant came tumbling down. Whew. Well, I mean, it's up to you. Okay. Huh? Which one? Shh. Oh, man, I haven't done that one for a long time. Okay, how to... The Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. The Savior passed him by passing in a street, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there, for I'm coming to your house today, for I'm coming to your house today. Little man and the man was he, here he had seen the Lord that day, and That's right. Boy, see, you guys keep my brain rolling up here, but what I got to do, practice these songs all week? Mm. (laughs) Cast your burdens? Oh, be careful, little eyes? We haven't sang that one for a long time. We'll do cast your burdens. That'll be the last one we sing. What time we got? I got, okay, we're going to have to, we got two songs. We'll do, we'll do, uh, what was that? What, yeah, which one did you just say? Oh, be careful, little eyes. Let's see, my memory's good, but it's short. Um, all right. 
Oh, be careful what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little feet, when here. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. There's a Father up above, and He's looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little eyes, Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. There's a Father up above, and He's looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say. Little feet, baby. Oh, be careful, little heart, who you trust. There's a Father up above, and He's looking down in love. So be careful, little heart, where you trust. And now the one I can only remember. Oh, careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. There's a Father up above, and He's looking down in love. So be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. There's a Father up above, and He's looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. I'm sure we can come out more, Obi. I mean, I'm in the Lord's army. How does that one go again? I'm in the Lord, marching the infantry. There we go. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never soar or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never soar or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I have never had such a respectful group of kids. Did you think about it? That was amazing. You guys all just whoop, whoop. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. All right. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Let me get on the other side of you. I can't. All right. Oh, you want to lean on the Lord's side, well? You can do that all week. <laughs> are you ready? Okay, here we go. Cast your burdens onto Jesus. For he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus. For he cares for you. 
higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 lower. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for He cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for He cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Lower, 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 Satan, lower, lower. 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 Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Woo, good job. You know, I would finally know we succeeded in children's lesson if you guys all went back to your seats and took a nap. Because you'd be so exhausted. All right, I got a story for you. Oh, we'll do it. We'll do it next Sunday, though, okay? We can't sing all of them on the same Sunday. You going to sit down? If we sing them all on every Sunday, you guys would get tired of them all. So next Sunday, just say it the first one, okay? Good? All right. So... So do you remember who we were talking about last week? We started somebody new. Huh? Nope. That was the week before. We started somebody new now. You guys weren't here last week, but you listened online, right? Remember? Didn't hear it very well? That's my bad then. I'll talk louder. Okay. William Booth. William Booth. And do you remember what he started? He started an army. You remember what the name of the army was? Salvation Army. You guys ever heard of the Salvation Army? What do you think of when you think of the Salvation Army? You ever you ever walk around at Christmas time? You ever walk into Walmart and there's always somebody ringing a bell? Uh-huh, that's the Salvation Army. Oh, there you go. All right. Go home, shouted a drunk as he leaned on the bar and shook his fist at William Booth, and take that skinny kid with you. Some of the other people in the pub hooted and cheered, but not all. If you were leaning close to the dim lamps to read the gospel tracts that William and his 13-year-old son Bromwell had handed out. The Lord loves you and can rescue you from your wickedness, yelled William over the hubbub. Come to the meeting at the new East London Theater tomorrow night, and he will save you. 
You can have your religion, roared one drinker. Then he raised his glass and added, This is our religion. As they left the pub, Wilt, uh, as they left the pub, Booth turned to his son and said, These are the people I want you to live and work with, Bromwell. The poor have nothing but terrible gin shops in their drink. We can give them the good news about Jesus Christ. These are, these are our people. We must tell them that Jesus can save them from the devil. The slums of East London were a sad place to be at this time. It was said that every fifth house was a gin shop with special steps to help even the tiniest children reach the counter. By five years of age, many children were alcoholics. Some even died. But the street corner preached of the Salvation Army work. But the street corner preaching of the Salvation Army worked. In fact, so many people came to know Christ and stopped drinking and gambling that businesses began to slow at the gin shops. The owners who had been getting rich by selling alcohol to these poor people were not happy and did everything they could to stop the street corner preachers. But God would not let them stop the work of the Salvation Army. This was a rough place for young Bromwell Booth to learn to tell others about Christ, but it made him strong. When he was 16, Bromwell took over running the Food for the Million shops, then helped to feed poor people. There were five canteens open 24 hours a day that sold a cup of, that sold a cup of soup for a quarter of a penny and a whole meal for six cents. Bromwell had learned his lesson well and promised to give his life to bringing the good news about Jesus Christ to the poor. When he grew up, Bramwell became the chief of staff for the Salvation Army. It was his job to plan and direct the missionary work of the Salvation Army in countries all over the world. When, when William Booth was dying, the old general called his son to him. Bramwell, the weak old man, said, The promises of God are sure. He waved his shaky finger in the air. If you only believe. Later, his last words were, I am leaving you a bonny handful, Bramwell. He was, willing, he was talking about the big job of leading the Salvation Army. General William Booth had chosen his son to be General Booth had chosen his son to become the Salvation Army's second general. How many? Well, you guys are how old are you? You're almost 13. He was 13 years old in a in a in a bar, if you will, handing out tracts. That's pretty good. So you're ready to start going in and handing out tracts in the bar. That's pretty amazing, but what God can do if those that are just willing to preach his word. You're never too young. The Bible says, let no man despise thy youth. So it doesn't matter how old you are. You still can be used of God. The verse for today is, so hold on through your sufferings because they are like a father's discipline. God is treating you as children. All children are disciplined by their fathers, Hebrews 12, 7. All right, you guys can go back. Well, good morning. Welcome to each one of you, Chilton's. Once again, it's good to have you all back. It's uh, definitely a quiet or emptier place when you're not here, and we love having you here, so welcome back. Uh, our visitors, those watching online, welcome. We're glad that you uh, can join us in our uh, worship today and in our music. Thank you to our uh, music team and to the children for 
once again singing us, singing to us, and leading us in worship. A few announcements. As usual, we have a lunch after our service. Please stay and uh, join us for that. If any of you online can get here in that amount of time, you're welcome to come join us too. There should be plenty of food, and as usual, fellowship will be great, and uh, it's, it's a great time of uh, continued fellowship. Let's see if I'm getting everything here. We do have an event coming up on May the 19th. It's a Wednesday evening. You'll see some flyers for this out on the table, but the uh, Dave Miller family, they're part of the Gospel Express Ministries, will be here to uh, minister to us and to the community in uh, song and be uh, presenting the Word of God as well. So that will be here, 6.30, May the 19th, Wednesday evening. So please invite everybody you can and uh, spread the word. There are these uh, little posters uh, back there on the table. Please grab a bunch of them, spread them around, hang them up at coffee shops or wherever, bulletin boards, and uh, spread the word. And uh, I believe it'll be a, a great time of ministry and, and music that evening. So please spread the word for that and come and enjoy that. I don't believe we have any... Uh, planned events for this week throughout the week. Next Sunday, John Olive and Cheyenne will be here with us again to share the word, so be in prayer for him as he prepares for that, and uh, come next Sunday to uh, hear him share the word. Phil will be bringing the word to us today, so before he does that, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time that you have given to us to meet together, to have fellowship, to praise you, and to open our hearts to your word. And I pray that we would do that now and that your spirit would work mightily in each heart and life. And I pray that your word would bring forth fruit, the fruit that you want to see in each one of our lives. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we have been sharing about Christ and his relationship that he desires to have with his bride, us. We've been looking at the gifts that he shares with his church. And I just want to take you for a starting point today to Romans chapter 11. This to me, is the foundation of everything I am and everything I will ever do. And I hope it is the same for you. It is the only reason we exist. Why do you exist? Do you know that reason? Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For from him... And through him 
and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. If you're struggling with pride, this is your answer. You can't live in this reality, dear brother, sister, dear child of God, and be proud. If this escapes you, your life will revolve around you. Meaning, you'll get up in the morning and think about your needs. When you kneel down to pray, if you have prayer in the morning and you come before His presence, you will ask Him to meet your needs. That'll be the first thought that you wake up with in the morning. Your day. Your activities. Your things you want to do that day. Your plans. Everything in life will revolve around this one driving thought and purpose. Your life and your plans. Your agenda. All for your money. But if this is true, exactly the opposite happens. You will wake up in the morning thinking on His love and His goodness to you. That will fill your heart with His praise. And you'll give Him glory. For from Him, He shows you that everything you are including your very existence, is a gift from Him. You did not create yourself. We were reading as a family out of Psalm 100 this week. And if you haven't read that psalm lately, you might turn to it. I'm going to read it. It's a very short psalm declaring this truth. And as we declared it together as a family... The Lord did something in my heart. Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Wow. Can you imagine a world that wakes up, a whole nation that wakes up and gives a shout to the Lord? A joyful shout. If you've read your Bibles and You've read the stories of Israel as a nation when they got together for war and they had a godly king and God was leading them to war every time they went into war this way with a shout that, as the word records it, shook the earth. The whole nation of Israel. I don't know. They had close... David had close to a million-man army, if you read the numbers. Have you been around a million people? And the whole army of a million people, at one time, shouts to the Lord. Yeah, I think the earth would tremble. And it scared their enemies, frightened them incredibly. Just a shout. Shout joyfully. Can you imagine If God's people around the world, every one of us, would get up in the morning with a shout of praise to the Lord, how Satan would tremble that day. 
Oh, he would. Is Satan trembling over your life? Or is he like the demon who, when the seven sons of Sceva came and said, we're going to try to cast this guy, this demon out. And the demon replies, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. Who are you? Is that the devil's response to you? Who are you? Dear child of God, when we as his children are from him, through him, and to him, that's how we live our life. The devil trembles when we shout to the Lord and live and rejoice, wake up in his presence. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. From him he created us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates, his presence with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His everlast, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. And then, and then only, does he get the glory of everything from you. That means you can thank him, giving him the glory. I don't know how you do that. But for me, I do it like this. I just say thank you. That's giving him the credit. To me, that word glory is giving God the credit for the smallest things that happen in my life to the big deals that seem big to me. They're all the same to him, by the way. With God, there are no small things. With us, we esteem things as small and things as big. God doesn't. Parting the Red Sea is as easy for God as putting his spirit into your heart and into your soul and making you alive to him. It's all the same to God. It's all a big deal to God. Think about how Jesus walked through his ministry and life on the earth. Did Jesus have little things and big things? No. In his relationship to his father, it was a life of oneness. And he lived that out to others. So whether he cast out a demon, whether he raised the dead, or whether he just broke bread with people and said, I love you, it was all the same. There were no big and little things. But we as people, we see things from a different perspective many times. Instead of seeing it from heaven's perspective and God's reality on the earth, we live in our own reality, in our own little world, in our own little perspective. And from our perspective, we see big mountains. And we see little flowers. And we relate differently to those. But the big mountains and the little flowers 
are all the same to God. Jesus said, you know that little lily? Look at it. It's more glorious than the whole kingdom of Solomon. <gasps> Wait, have you read about Solomon's kingdom? He had more gold and he was richer and his kingdom was more expansive than any other nation ever on the earth. Have you read about all his gold and his silver? And Jesus says, the little lily is worth the same. Yeah, God's perspective in ours differs big time. Unless you and I begin to live our life like this. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And then we begin to live like Jesus lived on the earth. And see God's creation the way he's seen it. And relate to it the way Jesus related to it. And this happens only one way. As we looked at in the past few Sundays. If you and I enter into this covenant relationship with him. He becomes my husband. I become his bride. He dwells in me. And I in him. And the father's house. In his presence all day long. That's the only entrance, dear brother, sister. That's the only hope we have of gaining heaven's perspective while we live on the earth. Otherwise, you and I only get to live like mere men. And we'll see things as they are outwardly. Only as my eyes can see them from a human perspective. And the Corinthian church lived their church life, their Christian life like that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Holy Spirit was rebuking them and said, you're living carnal, fleshly lives. You're living just like normal people. But God's people, if you are born again, if you have married Christ and you have come into this covenant relationship with him and given your life to him and now he does life with you, you're not a normal person anymore. You're as special as Jesus himself. You as the bride have now entered into his life. And you do life with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the bride of the king. And it's way more of a contrast than if any of you young girls were to marry the king of England or some other king on the earth. Would your life change? Oh, drastically. No one would relate to you like the person you were before. A no name. They wouldn't even have known your name but now you move into his castle, you take on his responsibilities, you become the love of his life, and everyone knows your name. Why? Only one reason. You married the king. And it changed your whole life. Have you married the king? Has he changed? Is changing your whole life? Revelation. 
chapter 21. This is our text for this morning. You might want to turn your Bibles with me here. And here's the title. Verse 9 of Revelation chapter 21. Come here. I shall show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Did you know that God wants to show off? Jesus is on intent on showing off his bride. You. Jesus is glorying over his relationship with his bride. He is not a bridegroom ashamed of his bride. And he doesn't hide her in his castle. No, no. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, as soon as he gets through the blessedness of this relationship, of who we are in him, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You're relevant and no man takes a candle and he lights it and he puts it underneath a bushel somewhere and hides it. Uh-uh. Nobody does that, especially not the bridegroom, the king of all the world. He takes his bride and he puts her on a candlestick for the whole world to see. That's what he wants to do with you and me and his relationship with us. Come here. I shall show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone as a stone of crystal clear jasper. I'm not going to go through and read the rest of it, but I'll give you an idea. A thought-provoking one. It's a little homework. Go through and study all the jewels and the gems and find the spiritual life meaning for these in you. You and I are this. This is the display that Jesus wants to show to the world. And all of the different stones have a spiritual significance. They are something of reality in you and I. And in our relationship with Christ. And how Christ wants to put it on display for the world. You can study it yourself. It's a very interesting study. But I want to go back to begin the beginning of the chapter. Verse 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Have you ever noticed how at a wedding, there's, you know, we've all been to weddings, right? You come in, you sit down, and there's kind of this whispering going on, and there's, you know, people are saying hi to each other, even though we're sitting down, and, and, and all, then all of a sudden, the music starts, and everybody gets kind of quiet, and people begin to look back, and here come the flower girls, and, 
and the groomsmen, the bridesmaids come in. But when the bride stands at the door and the music turns on, the song of the bride, no one's whispering anymore. Everyone gets up and watches. And the doors swing open and the bride walks in. And everyone is looking at the bride as she walks to her bridegroom. Do you think that is worth your time or it has any significance? It does. And I would submit to you this morning that this is actually from the heart of God. And he gives us just a small taste in physical human weddings of the reality of heaven and where you and I are living now, a bride being adorned, being made ready for her husband. And every day of your life and my life is one step coming down the aisle, walking to the altar. The doors have swung open wide at Calvary and when Christ rose again and ascended, it swung open the doors. And from that day to this day, God's people, the bride, have been taking one step closer to the celebration of all celebrations, the wedding in heaven this day. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And they, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be among them. The first thing I see here that happens when you and I enter this covenant relationship with Jesus Christ is that you and I begin to treasure and love and live in the reality of his presence. His presence never leaves us. This was the beginning of God, how, what God started with Israel when he brought him out of Egypt. First there were all the plagues, there were his signs, but God had not moved into Egypt. He had done, he was doing mighty Miracles and works. But the last night, the night of deliverance, God changed his tactics with his people. God sent the messenger, his very presence for the first time that we can read for hundreds of years on the earth. And he walked through the land of Egypt. And everyone who had the blood on the door was spared and was given life. And from that time on, God's presence remained with Israel. God took them out and led them with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. His presence became their reality. They lived in his presence. And as they walked with God through the wilderness, I'm not sure they understood how important and relevant this was for them. And I wonder if you understand how important and how relevant this is for you. If you do, 
you'll have the heart of Moses as displayed to us in Exodus. In Exodus, I think it's chapter 30. Let's see. Chapter, beginning actually in, in Exodus chapter 33. No, uh, chapter 32. Moses is up in the mountain with God. God gives him the Ten Commandments. And what do the people do? God's distracted. Moses, I, we think something happened to him up on the mountain. As for this Moses, we don't know where he went. What do God's people do? Someone tell me. They had a party. They made an idol. And they said, they gave this idol credit for leading them out of Egypt. And God was speaking, verse 11 of chapter 33. The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Oh, to be a Joshua. Brother Steve and I were talking about Joshua's young life. I don't know if you've studied Joshua's young life. But it tells us as Joshua was a young man, he just was Moses' shadow living in the presence of God. And he wouldn't leave it. And when Joshua was 40 and had the test of entering into Canaan and facing all those walled cities and giants, they appeared as grasshoppers to him. That's how he described them. They are but grasshoppers. Wait a minute. Have you seen a grasshopper lately? Anybody? How big is it compared to you? Huh? Is it huge? How small? So small you can step on it, right? And squish it. No problem. You don't even have to put your foot up very high, right? You just go, boom. And it's smoosh. Now these men, they weren't grasshoppers, were they? They actually were giants. They were seven feet. Some were more than seven feet tall. The walls of the city were very tall and very thick. If you read, it'll tell you how tall and thick. And the men, the ten of the men who went to spy out the land of Canaan, They've seen how big these guys were. I mean, I'm not even, I'm like 5'11 or 6 foot, depending how, how I stand. I can make up the difference of an inch. 6 foot compared to, someone know how tall Goliath was? He was almost 10 feet tall, I think. Yeah, 10 feet tall. He was a tall guy. Would you like to meet a 10 foot guy? With swords and spears and shields and very strong, a man of war all his life. Why was David not scared of Goliath? Did you know he wasn't scared of him? He says, I'm not afraid of you. Why wasn't he afraid of him? There's only one reason. David seen Goliath like God seen him. A grasshopper that can be squished. Killed with a little stone. David seen the Goliath, the giant, that way. And Joshua, because he lived in the presence of God, 
seen these walled cities and these giants, but like grasshoppers. Because he's seen them from heaven's view. The way that God looked on them. Were they grasshoppers according to God? What do you think? When God looked at them, and if they would have met God, would they appear like a grasshopper? Yes, they would. Even the nations are just a drop in the bucket. We're in the palm of his hand like a grasshopper. And they're gone. But the only way you and I get that view in our hearts and act upon that view, relate to the giants in our life with that view like David did to Goliath and approach them to kill them with a stone, the only way we're that crazy is if we live in the presence of God like Joshua and David did. And then you can go to Goliath Not because you think you should kill him. Not because you think you can kill him. But because you go to him in the name of the Lord God. And David said to Goliath, God has given you to me today. That's why he was not afraid of him. And Joshua seen the land of Canaan the same way. And Moses seen the presence of God so important in Israel, the nation of Israel's life and existence, that here in Exodus chapter 33, you'll see after they sinned and they made themselves an idol, God said to Moses, you go, go down to the people and go out there and move on and conquer the people. I'll send my angel. Will you go somewhere? If God says that to you, sure, God, no problem. You're going to send an angel? For real? Wow, I'll take an angel. Will you take an angel and be okay with that? If God says, I'm not going with you, I'll send my angel. That's what God told Moses. I'm not going anymore. Because if I go, these people have not sincerely acknowledged my presence. They have not worshipped me. They're not living in the reality of who I am among them. They don't know me like this. And even though they're repenting, because you're telling them to, they're not really repenting in their hearts. They want to go back to Egypt. And so if I walk among them, I'll kill them all. That's what God told them. If I come, my presence They would all die. So I don't want to kill them all. I'll send my angel. And Moses says, no, God, no. And you can read the story how Moses said, God, unless your presence goes with us, please come as a merciful God. Remember, you promised your compassion and your mercies. Remember the testimonies of Egypt. Please, God. And so God says, okay, I'll come. And Moses says, but more than that, Lord, I want more than just your presence. I want to see your glory. Show yourself. Don't just give us a sense of somebody. Have you ever felt somebody's presence, but you couldn't see them? We all have, right? You just kind of sense that somebody's behind you. 
You turn around, sure enough, somebody's behind you. You see them. Moses wanted God on display. He wanted God's very presence to be seen and known among God's people. And he said, if you do this, Lord, then we'll conquer all of our enemies. Your glory will be in us. Dear brother, sister, this is the word of God to his bride. Jesus wants to live in his presence in us. I'm going to show you 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And it's no little thing. And it's the only thing that you'll give up your idols for. Did you get that? This is the only thing worth giving up our idols for. In this reality, every other relationship and every other thing on earth becomes worthless. Worthless for this. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, I've gladly given up everything that I may win Christ, this relationship that I may know him. And he said, whatever I've given up, it's not even worth looking at. Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or an idol? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, because of this truth, come out from the merit their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of our flesh and our inner spirit and perfect, continue to perfect holiness. That word perfect, you could literally put the Greek word in there and continue to practice holiness. Now when a bride is making herself ready for a bridegroom, there's one thing that she does if she wants to be a good wife. She begins to prepare her life for her bridegroom by putting away the former things in her life, the distractions. All her single life, one by one, she begins to put it away in making preparation to be her bridegroom's. That's what he's saying. Practicing holiness in the fear of God. The presence of God is his bride's strength and joy 
and he shall wipe away. Revelation 21, verse 4. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Jesus begins to comfort his bride. The first thing he does when he comes to live with you and I and we get to enjoy his presence is comfort us. Have you experienced that? You can read about it in John chapter 14 when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And this sounds like he says, and if you keep my commandments, I will love you and we'll come and we'll dwell with you, me and the Father, and you're going to enjoy our presence. But he doesn't stop there. The very next thing he says, I won't leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. I'll send the Holy Spirit, the comforter. We need comfort. All of God's people need comfort. Our problem is, the reason we're so sad, the reason God's people are lacking the joy of the Lord and the shout of the voice of rejoicing is missing from our lives when we get up in the morning is we're not comforted properly. Perhaps you're not living in His presence because His presence is the truest comfort you'll ever experience on the earth. Have you ever faced death? Some of us did. Anthony, Jim, those of us others, Jody Ann, some of us, we've, we've experienced death. Up close and personal, Lori, where our father and our mother passed away, or many of us have. I'm just mentioning a few of you. What was the greatest comfort when you reflect back at the funeral that you received from anyone. When Katie and I, when Christian went home to be with the Lord, and as we were at his funeral, the greatest comfort that we received was not anything anyone said. It was them being there. That's it. Just being there. Things that were said were like icing on a cake, but just being there was a comfort. And that's what the presence of Jesus wants to do with us. And he wants to comfort his people. You'll notice in John 14, 15, and 16, as Jesus speaks of what the Holy Spirit will do, he comforts us in three ways. First, his presence comforts us. But he doesn't just sit there and not say anything. God doesn't just fill our hearts with his presence and give us a sense that he's here and not say anything. He then speaks. He teaches. He teaches us. He tells us what to do. He shows us the way. He puts words in our mouth, words in our heart. And when someone is your teacher, that's a wonderful comfort. If you are teacherless in this life, you have no clue about anything. You don't even know how to talk. You're dumb. You think things. You don't know how to say them. Unless people teach you how to speak. Think about a child that would have never been taught to talk. Wouldn't it be comforting if someone would come alongside of you and teach you how to speak? Ah, school becomes a comfort. What if no one ever taught you any math? How could you be comforted in life? True comfort lies in knowing math. In knowing about life, 
knowledge, the teaching of the Holy Spirit brings comfort to our hearts. Don't harden your hearts if you hear His voice. That's why the Holy Spirit says that over and over again in His Word. Don't close your heart to me. I'm here to bring you comfort, to teach you how to be my bride in this world. And the other thing He does, His presence, He teaches us, and then He's our helper. Real teaching is experienced. Let me say it this way. Real comfort is experienced in teaching when the teacher helps us. Right? Lucas, right? When mom and I help you with math, you get happy about math. You begin to understand it. He's shaking his head. Don't worry about that. He actually does. He says, thank you. It's like a teacher were to teach you how to ride a bike. Right? I remember when we did that. Remember that? That is way funner than math. You just think so now, but you'll find out later, math is way better than riding a bike. I remember when we were teaching Lucas how to ride a bike. And he said, I was like, come on, son, you can do this. And he had training wheels. We put little props on his wheel, you know. But it scared him every time it kind of went like this. He thought he was going to fall. And, and so the Lord said to me, Phil, you're young. You can help him. And so I began, took off the training wheels, and I said, sit on your bike. And I put my hand behind his bike seat, and I said, let's go around the cul-de-sac. Come on, let's go. Let's go. And at first, I put my hand on his steering wheel, and I helped him balance. And he knew my presence was there. I was telling him he can ride a bike. I was encouraging him. I was giving him pointers. Here, don't, don't lean this way. Lean this way into the circle. But my hand was helping him balance. And all of a sudden, after a few days of running behind him around the cul-de-sac, I think we did it one week. We said, we're going to teach. I'm going to teach you how to ride a bike this week. And we did it every day, didn't we? I think almost every day. That's right. All the way up to Mahaffey Park. But I remember as I was praying for him, and I was saying, Lord, give me wisdom to teach him how to just go off on his own. The Lord said to me, I'll give you a little secret. Put your hand right here on his butt, just like this, but not don't hold on to the bike seat, just so he can feel your hand. Because I could tell he can balance. So I began to do that. For the next couple days, I wasn't holding him at all. He just thought I was. We were running around the cul-de-sac, and he was riding his bike so confidently, he was really getting the hang of this. I wasn't even helping him. And one day I said, you can do this on your own. No, I can't, Dad. I said, yes, you can. I haven't even been holding you for the last two days. You've just been feeling my hand. You've been doing it all by yourself. You've been balancing. True teaching brings us comfort when the Holy Spirit not only is there telling us how to do it, but he's our helper. He's our helper. I use that simple illustration to encourage you, dear child of God, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do with every truth in this word and make it your life. To cause us to ride the bike of every truth written in his word, to experience it, to work it out in our lives. Will you let him do that? Or will you re use training wheels 
some of the props. Verse 5, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning of your life and I'm the end. The beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. Who wants to live for free? There's only one place where we can live for free. Jesus satisfies our life. Does he satisfy you? Can you say, I'm satisfied? This is more than just his presence. This is more than his help. This is his abundant life being freely given to you and I. This is where our inner man eats his word and drinks from his life and we are satisfied. True satisfaction means I'm not looking anywhere else to be satisfied anymore. I'm content in him. That's the secret that Paul learned that he said in 1 Timothy chapter 6. I have learned to be content in any state I'm in. How did he learn that? Because he was satisfied with his bridegroom. Christ had satisfied him. And he can go through any experience in life, and he's still satisfied in Christ. He never becomes discontented or dissatisfied and begins to pursue other things to satisfy his life and make him feel relevant in Christ. None of his gifts, none of his manifestations, None of his blessings, just his presence and his help, his teaching, and the water of life. Verse 7, he who overcomes, who, who lives this way, Jesus has more for you. As the bridegroom, a bridegroom who does not do to this bride this, shouldn't get married. Because he's not really getting married. He's taking on a slave. That's all he's doing. The difference between a husband and wife, who the wife becomes the husband's slave, or becomes his true bride, is right here. Look what Jesus does. He who overcomes shall inherit these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. We get his inheritance. I remember when Katie and I got married, and I gave her my checkbook and all my credit cards. And I said, here, you take care of them for me, would you? And I remember she was like, oh, I'm not sure I know how. I said, we'll do it together, but it's ours now. Everything I have, I didn't keep my money in the bank and her money in her bank, and she does her thing, and I do my thing. And once in a while, we eat dinner together, and we split the bill. Is that how you're married to Jesus? Does he just split the bill with you? Or have you seen, dear child of God, dear bride of the Lamb, that you get his inheritance? All things, 
Oh, just go into Revelation and read through Revelation chapter 3 where he speaks to the seven churches and every one of them who becomes his bride, who puts away her idols and gives him their devoted love, gets his inheritance. You should look at it. And then maybe you would begin to live in his joy like he lived, looking for the joy Looking for the joy, he endured the cross. Inheritance. Come here. I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. So these, for me, are my inheritance in Christ. My relationship is his bride. I'm going to share that with you to encourage you. Before we look at 1 Corinthians 12 and the varieties of the gifts that he shares with us, parts of his inheritance, you can't experience it without this. It won't come to us any other way. Unless we, first of all, live in his presence. He becomes our helper our comforter, our teacher. And He, He alone satisfies me. My relationship with Him trumps everything. It wins the game every day. My relationship with Him satisfies me. And then He freely shares His inheritance with me. And I live for that. Inheritance, and I'll gladly trade out anything in this world for that inheritance. In fact, anything I have in this world or that I could get becomes worth manure, a pile of manure. That's it for that. Amen. Thank you, Phil, for once again sharing the word. Does anyone else have uh, anything to share? Testimony or thoughts on how God spoke to you this morning? Now's your time to share. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Tim. You know, that's, that's an important realization, a lesson learned that, quite frankly, I believe, the majority of Christians, or at least so-called Christians today, have not experienced, at least not to its fullest. So thank you for, for sharing that, and I'm, I'm uh, glad to see what, what God is doing in your life, and I believe that's an encouragement to all of us. Anyone else? If not, I think the uh, food is probably ready, so uh, this will conclude this part of our service. So let's all stand and uh, lead us in a closing prayer and a blessing on the noon meal, please.
Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.